as, as I've told you, uh, and as you've seen if you've been here and through the summer months, we haven't taught any series through the summer. We've just ministered some random truths from God's Word. And um, So, my wife didn't know that I'm doing this today either, so I just decided today to preach you a word entitled, Keys to Longevity in Marriage. We celebrated yesterday 34 years of marriage, and um, I'm so blessed that I followed through. I, 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 only, I only canceled twice after I asked her to marry me <clears throat> before I actually followed through, but I'm so thankful that I followed through and married her for she's been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And people say, well, you know, but, but what about God? Well, you, you, you know, God goes without saying, because without God we wouldn't be here, you know. And I don't mean He goes without saying like we don't appreciate Him, but He knows what I mean because, because He chose to use the marriage relationship in talking about His relationship with the church. The Scripture that talks about Jesus and the church, that's really what he's talking about, but he so valued what he established in marriage that he used that as an example. And so, I just thought I'd share with you some keys in my own life and in our lives that have caused us after 34 years to still be married and still love each other, in fact, love each other more today than we did back then. And you know why? Because if your marriage relationship is developing, you know, when, when I was married at 20 years old, I didn't, have the, I, did, I didn't have a clue what love was, not even a little clue of what lo- a true love really was. And so I can say today that I love my wife, I mean, in a huge way, better than I loved her back then because I didn't know what it was. Not that I didn't have a desire for her, but I didn't understand it. So, anything that I say today, any statistics that I'm fixing to read to you right here today, don't, don't shut me off when I read these statistics if, if you're one of these, because th- th- that's not what this message is about. I, I want to share with you some things about what I think, what I, what I see in marriage, but what our society and our country doesn't see today. So I'm going to just give you a few statistics about marriage and and divorce today. Um, When Becky and I were, we lived in the Rio Grande Valley when we were first started having children. She was 19, I was 20 when we married, and it was four years later, four and a half years later when Amanda was born. And um, We were just talking about it yesterday as we spent the day together and we were talking about some of the, some of the good times we had with friends. And uh, I, I want to say that there, within a span of, what did you say, about 14 months that, that five, five of y'all had babies in, in about 14 months, maybe six. I can't remember exactly the number. But all these people, we, we played... Uh, all the guys, we played basketball together. We played city league basketball. We all hung out together and had dinner and went to each other's houses and all that kind of thing. And um, so many of those couples today are not married. So many of them. We were all, we were all born again. We were all churchgoers and all that kind of thing. And, and, and today, so many of them are not married. And, and so I was, I was looking that's some statistics about marriages. And first marriages, 41% of first marriages today end in divorce. Second marriages, people that divorce the first time and then married a second time, 60% end in divorce. And third marriages, 73%. Now remember what I'm saying. Don't, don't, if you're one of those, don't, don't just hear me where I'm going. I'm just I'm, I'm reading some statistics first, and I want to talk about some things in our own life. Um, so 
it's an overall rate today in America of about 60% divorce rate in marriages. Um, from, 2000, from the year 2000 to the year 2013, there is a 30% rise of people that have chosen not to get married. I thought it would be probably more than that, but that's what the statistics said, and who am I to argue, right? And, uh, and, then, and, and then I thought this was interesting. Um, however they came up with these, the probability of first-time marriages lasting 10 years is 1 in 15. First-time marriages, if, there's, if there has been no birth in the 10 years, is 1 in 27 that will last. 1 in 27. That's what these statistics say. So, their thought is that it's time to try wed leases. <laughs> so, so, lease a marriage until you're finished with it. And so you start out the marriage that way where you're just leasing it. I mean, you know, if, if I was starting out and I had no understanding of the things of God, why even mess with that? Just live together for a while till you figure it out, and then if it doesn't work, then you go on your merry way, and there's no, there's no heartache or messes. That's what it appears. So, okay, so that's what's out there, all right? And we are the church of Jesus Christ. Individually, but corporately, we're the church. And the Bible says that God hates divorce. He didn't hate people that have divorced, okay? He hates divorce, okay? But why does he hate divorce? Because he loves marriage. Because he created it. And there was a purpose and a plan that was there, okay? So, I just want to, I want to give you some things, and, and I've, I've had this kind of prepared, and I just went through some stuff that I've thought about over the last 34 years, that I've thought about over the last few weeks, about the previous 34 years, and why are my wife and I married today, and so many of our friends aren't? Why are we married today and so many of our friends aren't? And, so, and it's not about born again, not born again. They're all born again. They're all still born again. God still loves them. I'm still friends with them. But why are we married today and they're not? Okay? And it's not because we're better people than they are, none of that stuff. Okay? I'm just talking about, I'm asking the question, I'm presenting the question, why are we married and they're not? And why, why is the statistic out there today that the probability, the probability of 14 of 15 marriages that start out today aren't going to be there in 10 years? At least that's their stats. Why? Well, I'm just going to share with you a couple things. Um... So, this is what I have learned, and it's taken, it's taken years to process and to make it a part of me. You know, you, you have to do things whether you like it or not till it becomes a way of life. If, if you're going to become, if you're going to be, if, if you're out of shape and heavy and you're, you're not, you don't look the way you want to look and you're going to become a bodybuilder, you're going to have to do some things every single morning. You're going to have to get up. You're going to have to 
do what's hard and tough every day and you're going to have to be faithful if you, want to, if you want to change the outlook of your body. Well, it's the same way with anything else and it's no different in marriage relationships. Several keys that I've learned through the years is the no backdoor commitment. I'm not saying that I, in time of frustration and anger, that I've never mentioned the word divorce, you know, but after I slapped myself however many times when I ever said that back then, What's been established is there's no, there's no backdoor escape route if it doesn't work. We're married, it's settled, it doesn't matter. See? Because the truth is this. I've worked really hard to train her where she's at today. And, <laughs> and why would I want to spend any time on some other woman? She's smiling. But, but the truth is, we've worked on each other. I mean, we've spent 34 years working on each other and working on relationship. So we have no, we shut the door to some backdoor escape route. And many people have wed leases. I wouldn't have called it that. I just saw that on, on the internet not too long ago when I was reading some of this stuff. But that's what it is. It's kind of a lease. Well, I would do it too. Whatever. Another key is recognizing our need for each other. Why? Because we're to complete each other. Recognizing our need for each other. And when you recognize that you need your partner... You need the other half that God created to complete you, then why would we want to walk around uncompleted? Why would we want to be incomplete people? There is a patience in my wife that I didn't know was humanly possible in an individual when I married her. I didn't know that you could be that patient. It was impossible in my eyes. I mean, we got to get things done and we got to do it yesterday. And, you know, I mean, and we got to, we've got, I mean, whether it's right or not, we have to do it and, and we just got to do it. And so, she had to live with that. I had to learn to embrace a life of patience because of assurance. She, was, she is a patient, assured person. She had this assurance in her. I had this unknowing on the inside of me. And so we had to learn to connect with each other and realize that we were created to complete each other. And, and see, that helps in the process because, you know, when you're building something and, and you know it's going to take however long, you're not in a rush to make sure that it gets built. You just keep building, Right? If you know it's going to take a year to finish a house, well, you know, you're not freaked out in two months when it's not built. Well, when you find out from Scripture that this building process of marriage relationship is a lifetime, you just take a deep breath and just keep building. And realizing there's no, there's no escaping back here if it doesn't work out. We're going to do whatever it takes to make it work. And I'm telling you, in the 34 years of our marriage, there have been some ugly times of working it out. Some times when it, in, in the back of each of our minds, it probably seemed like it would be a whole lot easier, just throw it in. But thank God for the Word, because what the Word established in us did is, is it empowered us to cast those thoughts down and remember what the Word says. Remember the Word. And I, I, all, all I'm talking about is the difference. The, di the difference is in my friends that I'm talking about. The difference is they quit and we didn't. That's all the difference. There's no other difference. 
No difference. God doesn't love us more than he loves them. There's no, none, of, none of those things are factored in. We just didn't quit, and they did. Amen? And I'm telling you today that through the power and the strength of Almighty God in whatever you face every day, you don't have to quit. Say it with me. I'm not a quitter. Amen. We are overcomers who are overcoming because we have faith in God and the power of God's Word to see us through. And, that, and listen, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. If this was a simple process, I'd be reading statistics that were down below 5%. At the end of what I'm going to say here is the reason why this is so important. Um. Now, the key to marriage is learning how to face everything together. The dreams you have, dealing with your children as they're growing up, careers, you know, whatever it is, learning to face things together. Not you do your thing and I do my thing. That's where separation starts and all, all that happens is you just separate even more. Learning to face the issues of life together. We've worked very hard at that through the years. And one, one key on my end especially is learning to listen. Learn to listen. Yeah, 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 okay, okay, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. He didn't hear a thing she just said. You know, he didn't hear nothing. Shut up. Clear your mind, look at her eyeball to eyeball, and listen. Listen. And then practice taking 10 seconds after she finished to say something. I mean, you remember <laughs> through the years, I mean, I, I, you know, I had to say something, and I didn't hear anything she said. So I had to practice taking 10 after she finished and then saying something. Or maybe, you know, wouldn't hurt to say nothing. Right? And another key is is learning to celebrate your life together. Spiritually, soulishly, physically, learning to celebrate life. Because as, as a man, if I'm, not, if I'm not developing the value in my wife, then I'm not doing my part. Women, women, and, and well, well, I'll just say it, and you can believe it or not. But I, I believe this is true. And there's a lot of women that wouldn't believe this and, and wouldn't like what I'm going to say here, and I totally understand that they wouldn't. But women find value from the men in their lives, starting with their fathers and then their husbands. And women don't, there are many women who have been abused and hurt and treated horribly by men because the men didn't know how to be men. And you know what? I don't need a man. I don't need this. And and you, you don't. I'm telling every woman, you don't need a man. What you need is a partner that God connects with you that was created for you to complete you. That's what you need. You don't need a man. In fact, as, as we talk in marriage counseling or, or in, in premarital counseling, when I marry people, we talk about the truth that, that what's healthy in marriage is two people that are totally dependent on God coming together so you have 100% and 100% instead of a 50-50 deal. Because the problem with 50-50 is you leave the other 50 over there and that's the 50 that divorces you get complete in your life, and then you come together. That's why it's more important to be complete. We didn't know that. We didn't have any understanding. Nobody ever taught us anything. I wasn't born again growing up, and I hadn't been born again very long and didn't have much understanding of, of what that looked like. But I'm telling you today that the value that my wife has within herself 
came, number one, from her father, who was a great role model of that, and she had great value in her life when she met me, and it went backwards for a good period of time because of the stuff that wasn't in me that, that couldn't cause her to be raised up. So she battled with things there, and I had to get over those things. See, we, okay, so, so I had lack and deficiency in being able to value my wife, so we just, she just tolerates me and we live till the children are gone and till the children are raised up or whatever and then you just kind of go your separate ways because you're tired of each other because there's no relationship because you just live this tolerating world. And that's no good. I'll just tell you right now, I'd rather fight than tolerate. I'd rather argue in our differences and come to a place of conclusion and get through it than to just tolerate each other. And stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and then blow up. Let's work through it and learn to where you don't have to fight and holler and scream and cuss and whatever it is that we do. We're talking about two people, total opposites, think totally opposite. And what was God thinking? Amen? But it's the greatest journey that a person will ever take. And I, I get to stand up here today after 34 years and tell you it works. Amen? It'll work if you just don't quit. In fact, the Bible says, if you don't quit, you'll reap. And you know what my declaration is today, every day, is that our latter years are greater than our former. And we had some good former years, thank God for them, but why just tolerate the rest of life and just kind of exist? No, our greatest years are before us. You can claim that every day, every day of your life. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Genesis 2, I guess I put some scripture in there. Genesis 2 and verse 18. I just want to read two passages to you, and then we'll finish what I want to say today. Um, Genesis 2 and verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man... He made into a woman, and he brought her to him. And Adam said, This is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. So, we see in Scripture here, and, and I, I, I want to make this point that um, the commitment, and this is something that, you know, it's something that commitment is, is just, it's almost undefinable because you can't really understand true commitment until you experience it. It's almost undefinable. But <clears throat> our commitment to each other has to be stronger than the commitment that we have to our parents, to our children, to friends. I don't care who it is. Not to take away from any of the other relationships. But if we're not, if we're not committed to each other wholeheartedly, then other relationships will divide. 
well, you know, I got to have my time with the boys. The boys? What boys? Well, I got to have time with this or that. When you're committed to your spouse, okay, if there's time with friends, it's because you're in agreement. And, and, and I've realized through the years, because we've been committed to each other, she's my best friend. She knows everything about me, everything. In fact, she knows more about me than I know about myself. Literally. But she's my best friend. When I, when I need to talk to somebody, she's my go-to. And that had to be developed. It's not something that's easy to do, but when you learn to develop it and you're not afraid to develop a relationship, well, you know, you can't tell women everything. I heard it for years. Some of my friends that are divorced today, I was out on a golf course one time. We were on some hole, and he was, one of my friends was telling me something about some situation he was thinking about doing. I said, well, what would your wife think? Oh, I wouldn't tell her. I said, what do you mean you wouldn't tell her? I said, because she's going to disagree. <laughs> you can't tell a wife because you can't tell a woman because then she's going to be too detailed, and then she'll screw the whole thing up. Are you talking about the thing that you failed in, you mean? Because a year later, when he didn't talk to his wife about it, the thing he went into, he failed and lost tons of money. Which, had he just talked to his wife, presented it to her, let's talk about this, let's draw wisdom and develop it. And listen, this ain't easy to do. I mean, I may be standing up here sounding like, well, you know, just talk to her about it, it'll work out. No, usually in the first 10 minutes of talking, you're in a fight. You know, all of a sudden, with men, you know, we tell our wives something, and now we want to become the man. You're going to do what I want. Scripture doesn't say that. You're not the boss. Like one of my kids said, or some kids said, you're not my bosser. You're not my bosser. But we're not the boss. We're the head. And if you're the head of anything, you have greater responsibility than anybody. And so we want to be the boss, but we don't want to be the head and take responsibility. And realize that the creativity in our spouses, either side, the creativity in our spouses is that piece that God said, I want you to work at together. And I want you to come together. That's what's created the success, because even though there's differences and there's arguments, we've learned to work through the arguments and get the nuggets that we each other have and put them together and get an agreement and things happen. Again, 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 if that was easy, everybody would be doing it. So, That verse 23 and 24, Adam said, Now this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. And that, that one concept is the completing concept. Everybody say become. When you're becoming something, you're not already that, even though there's a mark set out there and you're trying to attain the mark and the goal, you're, you're, you're moving toward the goal. So, so as married couples, for the rest of your life, whether you're married or you're not married, this is for everybody. Okay? If you've been married once, twice, three, four, five times, or you've never been married or you're married today, this is for everybody. God takes you right where you're at. You're forgiven of your past because of the blood of Jesus. And wherever you're at today, that's where God takes you and you move forward. Can you say amen? Can you say amen real loud? 
He takes you right where you're at and you move forward with the information that you glean and that you apply in your life, okay? And the two becoming one is a process. You're becoming that. So for the rest of your life, you are becoming one. What does that mean? That means that spiritually speaking, he said you're one, but in the natural, you're not. You're becoming. You're becoming. You're becoming. That means you have differences, but you're becoming. That means you got stuff that, you, that works against each of you, but you're becoming. You're, you're staying with it. There's no backdoor escape route. I can't run off. I'm either going to live a, a life of just tolerating the stuff that I don't like in my spouse, or we're going to work it out. Amen? Say amen or oh me. So, I just, I I worded it like this. God intended for the masculine and the feminine to work together, to complement each other, to build up and not tear down. Right? To build up and not tear down. And to do this, just write these five or six things down. To do this... It takes time, number one. How long? Years and years, and then years, and then more years. Years and years. It takes time to establish this, and years. Oh, and did I say years? Yes. Number two, it takes understanding. And this is, this is the difficult one. For most people, because what you have to develop, and how long do you get to do this? Years and years and years. You have to learn. Lee has to, in fact, these two are celebrating 50 years of marriage this month. Come on, give them a huge hand. But what he still has to do is learn to understand her from her female perspective. And vice versa. <laughs> but see, there's, there's that female side of us guys. Hmm? God put the female, the feminine, and the masculine in us. So to understand, watch, watch this scripture, 1 Timothy, no, 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 1 uh, Peter 3, 1 Peter Three and verse seven. Look at this real quick. First Peter three and seven. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Yeah. <clears throat> So, as husbands, we have to understand our wives from their perspective, and, and, the, and the Bible just said that my prayers will be answered if I learn to understand her. So there has to be, second thing is, for these things to work, there has to be understanding. The third thing, <clears throat> there has to be self-esteem established. Why? So, I'm secure, she's secure. We're secure We can handle confrontation. We can handle differences. We'll work through them. So along the way, you've got to develop self-esteem. What does that mean? You've got to believe in yourself, but you can only believe in yourself as you believe in God. And when Christ's likeness is developed in you, and your connection to God is is real and it's being developed, then any lack of self-esteem that there's been will be removed over time. How long do you have to work on this? Years and years. Number four is commitment. And what is the commitment? We'd already talked about that, but what does the commitment establish? It establishes us in the way that we can work through the hard times. And I promise you, in marriage, you meet somebody that's been married for 20 years and they've never had one fight and not one problem. Oh, God. 
I don't see how. Work through the hard times. Number five, communication. (laughs) We could talk on that all day, but communication is key. Why? Because when you communicate, then you know each other, and you're not looking for something somewhere else. You know each other. Well, you know, Pastor, I don't really like him. Okay? So, you got something to work on. Well, I don't really like her. I'm, I'm really frustrated with her. I'm really tired of her. Well, work on it. Work on it. Um, think of a relationship, usually the ones we think of are the same sex, friendships that we have with people. But think of a relationship that you've developed with somebody that is a friend of yours today. And just think about how you developed that. Because, because most married couples are not friends. But think of somebody that you're a good friend with, and how'd you get there? Wow, but they don't demand it. No, 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 forget all the stuff. It's what you do with what you have, the information that you get, the experiences that you have, and go and, f- and, and look at a good relationship that you have with somebody. How did you get there? And take those principles that got you there and begin to apply them with your spouse. That's how it happens. That's what, that's what we've had to do in our marriage. I'm just sharing with you some things that we've walked through and that we've done that have caused us to be here after 34 years and still married and love each other more than we did when we got married. And I'm not saying it's been easy. You can talk to my kids about how, at times, difficult things were. But we're still here. Amen? And we're not afraid of having to deal with things and walk through things and and face issues and confrontation, so communication is very, is, is at the top of the list. Number six, compassion. To love, to give, and to forgive each other. To love each other, to give to each other, and to forgive each other. And again, we could talk about that for hours on end. Remember this. What you focus on, what you focus on, will determine the outcome of your relationship. So if you're always focusing on the negatives of your spouse, then it's going to determine an ugly outcome. But if you learn to look at and focus on the good things that they do, I'm just telling you, I'm I'm not saying that in three weeks, but I'm just telling you, the more you practice that, the less that you are aware of what they do that you don't like. It's where you focus. What, what's your focus on? I, I, I'll just tell you this, something that helped me through some difficult times or just stretches where we, we were working through things intensely, heated conversations. I spent time meditating on 1 Corinthians 13 every day for weeks and months on end meditating on 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, is, is not boastful. It doesn't think about itself. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. It believes the best, hopes, endures the best of all things and all people. And, you know, you, you don't have to endure if there's no one around to endure with. You can just be. But the fact that there's people in our lives and we have spouses or, or if you're not married today, you will be, or just applying these principles in any other relationship that you have, it's amazing how things can turn around and relationships are everything in the kingdom. They're everything for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Relationships are. That's why, that's why even in, in the connect groups that we've started here, 
why it's so important to be a part of those and connect with other people and learn to develop relationships. It, it, it's a good thing. I'm not talking about, you know, establishing a best friend with somebody, that kind of a thing. Best, a best friend thing is usually not always the best thing because you're just set up to be let down. You need to be best friends with your spouse when you, if you're not married when you come to that place and develop and spend all your energy and time developing that. So what we focus on will determine the outcome of our relationship. Now, last thing I want to say today is this. <clears throat> In Matthew 18, I want to read this verse and then we'll end with this. Matthew 18 and verse 18, I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of sad to say this in a way, but... Well, let me read this and then I'll say it. Verse 18. Truly I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever, anything, and everything they may ask, it will come to pass be done for them by my Father in heaven. I'm, I am, if, if I allowed myself to live in the past, I could think of the regrets I have of the times when I allowed strife or division in my home to where my wife and I weren't in agreement. I could meditate and focus on that. Oh, we sh you know, I can't believe I allowed something like that into my home and I allowed this to happen. But my focus today is on how absolute that that verse of Scripture is right there. That if any two agree, harmonize together, make a symphony together. Listen, the strongest power of agreement on the planet is two people that are one flesh. Two people that are one flesh. There's no stronger power of agreement anywhere. Your, your prayer partners that you have and people, we have great, strong prayer ministry and there's strong anointing and all those kind of things. You know, Sarah's the head of our prayer ministry. But there's no stronger agreement anywhere than the two of them being in agreement because they're one flesh. You see, no stronger and so all the work that I've been talking about today that we've had to do that's caused us to stay together has created a stronger power of agreement that we'll have everything we ask for from the Father. That's what he said. It will come to pass if you get an agreement. But see, you can't be in strife and be in agreement. See, you can't tolerate this thing and that thing and not work on it. I'm not talking about fixing everything in three weeks. I'm just talking about taking one thing and working through it, taking another thing over time and just work through it. God's not in a hurry. He's patient. A day's a thousand years. You have years and years and years and then again years to work all this stuff out. You don't have to be in a hurry. And it's more important for you to work through one dividing issue between the two of you as a husband and wife than it is for you to work 70 hours a week and by the end of the year make a million dollars or whatever. It's more prosperous for you to be in agreement with your spouse. And all those of you that aren't married today, I'm telling you that for when you enter into marriage relationship and the people that you choose to marry, more important that you remove whatever needs to be removed so you can be in agreement than it is for you to be worth billions of dollars and own everything on the planet. And that's what the world looks toward. But I'm telling you, when you get in agreement, then you can have everything. You can have it all. Because the stuff doesn't have you. Because you realize the key to success. 
Don't ever judge people where they're at. Don't ever judge something, a book, by its cover, ever, ever. Because you don't know where the process that people are in. And people that walk this thing out with God in marriage relationships, you're going to go backwards before you go forwards. If, you, if, you've, if you're married today and you've not worked on and learned to develop that place of agreement with your spouse and learn to you know, take their differences and, and turn them around and use them for your good and vice versa, and you've not worked on that plan and that process, if you choose to do those kind of things, I'm telling you, things may appear at times to get worse before they get better, but you just, you got years and years and years. Yeah, but Pastor, you know, I've been married so many years and now I'm at this age. You still got years. You got however long that you're on this planet to develop it. Amen? And I'm telling you today, the statistics in this country will not change unless it changes with us. We're not here to hammer people. Listen, you know, I mean, some of the people that I've known that had no understanding of the truth of the word and they divorced their spouses, I would have too. If, if, you don't have, if you don't have the tools to walk it out, then why live the rest of your life miserable, you know, if you're not going to be working on it? And, and some people wouldn't agree with me because, see, my God hates divorce. But division is right up there. And if we're not going to work through division, okay, then might as well separate. You're not going to work at it. You're not going to take the truths of God's Word and work through it. Nothing will ever change. And 10 years from now, you'll be in the same situation you're in today. If not worse. If not worse. That's why, that's why, it's not preaching this to people. It's living it in front of people. See, so that means I've got to digest this, it's got to become a part of me, and then I've got to practice it with my wife, I've got to practice it with my mother, I've got to practice it with my children, I've got to practice it with all of, the, all, all of my siblings and my cousins and my aunts and uncles, you know, the people that are closest to you. You know, it's okay if I develop it with Randy over here, and i got a good relationship with Randy, but everybody else hates my guts and my family. Not that I don't want to develop that relationship, but it's the people closest to us that we got to work on and we got to apply this stuff because we got to be able to tell people it works. And when you've been married 34 or 50 or however many years that you've been married, how long have you all been married? 61? How long have you all been married? 58? Wow. Come on, give them a hand. <clears throat> Anybody else more than 34? Anybody? How long have you? Go ahead. Huh? 41. 41? 42? 49? 50 next year and 14? Come on, give these people a hand. Awesome. They've lasted. No? They've lasted. Amen? They're not, they're not casualties. And if you... Anyway, I shouldn't say casualties. But, but, but it, it is... In, in, in a sense, but if you've had divorces and yours didn't last, okay, you're not any less. And I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'm driving that home because God takes you where you're at. And, if, and, and listen, if I had not had the information that I'm sharing with you today continually, my wife and I wouldn't be married today. And the, and the reason, not that she would have quit, but I would have quit. She would have tolerated me anyway. But I would have quit. I'd have thrown in the towel. Because, I, because the Word has built my spine. She had more of a spine than I had, but the Word built my spine. But we're married today, and see, I wouldn't have left my wife because I didn't love her. I would have left her because I couldn't stand to live with her. Because she never came, became like me. And she just didn't, you know, why can't you just do what I ask? <laughs> she 
She said, because you're wrong. <laughs> Why can't you just do it my way? How boring. How boring to just do it somebody's way. No, that's not going to work. It'll never work. We're going to learn to do it together. And we're going to get an agreement no matter what it takes. We're going to become, you know, you put two pieces of metal together and you get a, there's some heat involved in there, right? But the end result, smooth. So listen, don't be afraid of disagreements. And if you've ever heard some horror story about somebody that, you know, didn't argue all their years, that's a horror story to me. I don't know. My gosh, I, I just, you know, I just lay down on the ground and just quit, <clears throat> you know. But if you've ever heard that and so you're measuring it, you're measuring your success by how many fights you have, no. You measure your success on how you get through them so you don't have to fight anymore. You get through them and you learn to agree and then you learn to not have to voice your opinion all the time and you learn how it doesn't have to be my way and it doesn't have to be this way, that way. So, I could go on and on, but I'm done. Amen? So, just some little tidbits of some things. Gosh, so thankful for the Word and so thankful for people around us in our lives that have had strong marriages and have loved God and loved their spouses in spite of each other, you know. And, that's, and, and, and ultimately, that's what it is. I'm so grateful for it, and I thank God today for my wife and the blessing that she is to me, and another 34 plus years, we're rocking and rolling, amen? amen. Our best days are before us. Amen. Come on, give God praise. Amen. Amen and amen. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, tonight or today, seems like it's been all day, today we just thank you for your presence, for your blessing and empowerment upon us, that we don't have to attempt to do and to accomplish things on our own. We can walk free and be who you created us to be. We can be living examples of how great and awesome that you are and how that your word works. This morning I pray for every marriage here and every person that isn't married, that you have somebody for them. It's not good for man, woman to be alone. It's not good for them to be alone. But it's not good to rush into something until the time. But I thank you for every person here today, married or not, that you created them to be connected to someone else, to be married and to be completed. And I believe for that, for these people today. That that completed work will establish many great things in their lives to be able to share with other people how good that you are. We don't have to be statistic, part of a statistic that didn't make it. But we're people that are overcomers in Christ Jesus. So today, Lord, we just honor you and we praise you and we give you all the glory that truly belongs to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen.